When the COVID-19 pandemic hit, global trade ground to a halt. Around the world, people were scrambling to buy essentials as supermarket shelves emptied. But in the UAE, a country that relies on imports for more than 90% of its food, supermarkets appeared to have more than enough. The government repeatedly assured people there would be no shortages. This is the story of how the UAE, a desert country, began preparing for just such a food crisis over a decade ago. You're listening to Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, James Haynes-Young. In recent years, food security has become a global topic. How do we keep growing populations fed, healthy, and do it in a way that's sustainable? In 2020, this became a real issue as borders closed, flights stopped, and ports shut down. And in countries like the UAE that are heavily reliant on imports, they had to find new ways to ensure supplies. Maximo Torero Cullen, the chief economist at the Food and Agriculture Organization at the UN, explains how the pandemic made a global problem into a crisis. This is in a world where we already had 690 million people undernourished. We already had 2 billion people that didn't have access to regular food and 3 billion people that couldn't access to have access to healthy diets. When there was the first lockdowns, we faced significant challenges in terms of uh, mobility of goods, mobility of labor force to do the harvest, for example, uh, and also some effects in terms of uh, sectors that had to close, like the meat industry, for example. Uh, several of the meat plants were closed. These effects were bigger in the high-value commodities. These are fruits, fresh vegetables, meats, milk. One of the other challenges which really affected the staples at the beginning was uh, that 22 countries put export restrictions. So this is an issue that has hit countries around the world, but the UAE has long thought about how to ensure that it has enough to eat. Good relations with major food exporters has long been central to foreign policy. Affordability is also not a problem for the UAE. But room to grow food is. Much of the country is deserts and fresh water is scarce. Because of this, it has one of the most comprehensive food security plans in the world. As far back as 1946, Sheikh Zayed, the founding father of the UAE, was already talking about water conservation and food sustainability. He became known as the man who turned the deserts green. So it's always been a consideration for the UAE, but it became a higher priority for the government after a crisis in 2007 and 2008. The cost of many foods skyrocketed, with most doubling or more. The average cost of rice tripled in just six months. The reason? Mostly food commodity speculation. Traders on the floors of stock exchanges around the world pushed up prices, spooking countries that grow large amounts of rice, who looked to restrict sales to ensure their own people could afford to buy the staple. That restricted the availability to the markets, pushing the prices up further. This in turn pushed the poorest people in the world into a dire situation. The UAE, that relies so heavily on the international markets for food, took action. It leased or bought land abroad to secure supplies, and in 2009 it set up a national food reserve, stockpiling non-perishable items for a time of crisis. It was this that helped carry the UAE through the first few months of the global pandemic this year. But the 2007-2008 disruption also spurred the government to take further action. While the economic and political stability means that the UAE isn't considered to have an issue with supply, in 2017 it appointed the first Minister of Food Security. 
Cullen boils down food security to two key ideas. We need to find ways in which we increase resilience, but not resilience at the household level or at the farmer level, but resilience at the, at the system level, at the food system level. And what this means, what means increasing resilience, it has two elements. One is to minimize risks, that is to be able to minimize vulnerabilities. And the second element is to cope with risks when they occur, and that's capabilities. So we need to find ways to provide early warning systems. We need to find ways to give more information so that the system can minimize the potential risk, but also we need to provide the capabilities so that they can cope better with the risk when it happens. A year later, the government outlined what it sees as the problems for food security. Water shortages were listed, but so too was climate change and regional instability. Importing food is expensive, and that means subsidising goods to keep it affordable. Although the UAE is diversifying its economy, the country is still heavily reliant on fossil fuels, making it also vulnerable to fluctuations in the price of oil. So the UAE has a long-term plan. Self-sufficiency. In recent years, the UAE has heavily invested in both innovative farming and agriculture businesses that can adapt to the harsh environments of the country's deserts. In April 2020, Abu Dhabi invested 100 million US dollars in four promising agritech companies. Kyle Wagner is the head of operations at one of those companies, the Abu Dhabi-based Mada Farms. So what's so special about Mada Farms? Well, they grow their crops vertically, in layers, one above the other, in controlled environments to maximise plant yield. There's no sunlight and the whole farm is indoors. And the biggest challenges for the UAE, the scarcity of water and of nutrient-rich soil, are tackled effectively. We are looking at taking plants out of the soil, out of the ground, and out of the harsh natural conditions here and bring them into an indoor protected environment. When we do so, one of the first things we do is we take the plants out of the dirt and we provide for them what we call a hydroponic substrate. In simple terms, this is made from rock fiber or discarded coconut shells, for example, or peat moss. And it's just simply a place for the plant's roots to take uh, to bed in and hold themselves in place as we provide the nutrients to those plants. So we take away the whole issue of having poor soil here and we eliminate it. And in doing so, we get to have a great benefit in terms of water scarcity and better water utilization. And we do that because as we're delivering the nutrients to the plants, we're capturing it in a closed loop system, filtering it with UV and particulate filters and passing it back to the plants continuously. So in doing so, not only do we have no water going to the drains, but we're minimizing any unnecessary or unintended runoff, which is a major problem in field farming. Currently, we are still very small scale, but that's all about to change very, very soon. We operate at the moment four small container farms in an R&D facility located in partnership with Mazdar City here in Abu Dhabi. We are building the, uh, our first commercial scale indoor tomato farm, which we announced earlier this year. That indoor tomato farm uh, will set a number of firsts, not just for the region, but globally, and setting a new high watermark for the industry in terms of technological innovation. One of the primary things we're doing there, which is nobody's done before at this scale, which is growing tomatoes in a fully enclosed environment in the absence of sunlight using 100% LEDs. And in doing so, we have a number of innovative technologies there on air purification, water purification, water recycling, um, a huge focus on hygiene has been, a, has been a major design factor for the farm from the beginning. And we think that's a trend we're going to keep seeing in the industry is moving crops into more of a protected environment. We are eliminating risks from bacteria and, as we all know, from viruses as well. So not only are we going to provide a more safe and hygienic work environment for our humans inside, but also for the plants themselves. 
plant disease is actually one of the major threats that all growers globally have to face. And unfortunately, that's an increasing threat through increased travel, through increased you know, pandemics, as we're all seeing now, for example. A lot of these changes mean that being in the desert is no longer a problem. But it also has broader implications for another major issue, the impact on the climate and sustainability. We have to ask ourselves, you know, what does sustainability mean? If we look at where we get our food from, um, currently, as about 90% of perishable food is imported via air freight, we have to first address that is obviously very, very unsustainable. So the improvement there is first of all to grow domestically. And then the question is, how do we grow domestically in the most sustainable way possible? Growing in a greenhouse, for example, still uses a tremendous amount of water, anywhere between 40 to 50% more than growing in a completely enclosed environment, which is what we use in modern farms. So when we talk about sustainability in the UAE, we have to ask ourselves, what are the inputs? The main inputs for indoor farming, and again, that could be in a greenhouse or an indoor and a vertical environment, one of the main inputs there is actually electricity. We often get asked the question, okay, we understand that indoor farms use a lot of electricity. How sustainable is that? Well, the sustainability question on electricity comes back to where did that electricity come from? How is it generated? Today in the UAE, the vast majority of electricity is still generated through burning fossil fuels. However, we are in a rapid transition. We have a new nuclear power facility opening up very soon. It's actually already online. We have a number of solar panel projects and maybe potentially wind turbine projects coming in the future. So our industry as a whole becomes more sustainable simply by being plugged into a grid, which at the national level is becoming more renewable as each year passes. It's not just the glut of new firms in the UAE that are looking at new techniques. But around the world, people are trialling new methods to overcome challenges in farming. One of these is cellular agriculture. Another is hydrogels, using a high-nutrient gel with very little water to grow crops. Kyle tells us more. So hydrogels is, is an interesting technology. Um, there is a farm in Alain, I believe it's called Nebi Farm, and they are using this in a small scale as a proof of concept facility. What we see broadly in ag tech space globally is there's a number of innovative technologies, many of which are just now making that critical transition from the R&D laboratories and from academia into let's call it the real world. And the commercial viability is still unproven as of yet. That's one of many technologies that we're aware of and keeping a very close eye on and I think that the winners will emerge will be the ones who are able to quickly adopt these new technologies as they prove commercially viable. And that's a key part of what we do here. And that's why we're partnered with Malastar here in Abu Dhabi. Even at a small scale, we can quickly validate some of these claims about new technology innovations. Nicole Rogers is the founder and CEO of Agriposity, a UAE-based company that connects farmers directly to international marketplaces. She says that the UAE is becoming a global agrotech leader. For the domestic production, I think there's a great opportunity to look at uh, super high-tech and um, new, new ways of growing. So I'm very, very long on the UAE investing in cellular agriculture and uh, using maybe an unconventional crop for a very conventional feeding purpose. So I don't think the UAE will do away with dairies anytime soon. But I do think we should be looking at algae and a lot of alternative protein sources for, for some of our important, um, what we would deem as you know, necessary for food security, local food production industries. So poultry, egg production, milk production, I, I don't see those industries going away. But then at the same time, offsetting with a cellular component. So there's lots of ways around the world where people are you know, creating non-dairy cheese and 
non-dairy alternatives. And there's no reason why the UAE shouldn't participate in, the, in a big way for, for two main reasons. One, um, you know, the environmental conditions just make sense to, to explore things that don't rely on environment. And two, these are really cash intense businesses in, in ag tech and food tech. And I think the UAE ha- has a leadership role to play. I might even go so far as to say a, a global responsibility to invest in these technologies and, and invite them into the ecosystem to, to build greater food security. So I think there's a balance between, you know, still importing and smartly importing, um, but also, you know, being weary to invest domestically in things that are cash intensive and really focus on, you know, technologies that don't require environmental inputs. The UAE is building a reputation for innovation in food security. This has been fueled by the stark reality of its desert climate. Although the sands of the UAE are far from fertile, Kyle sees that this could one day be overcome. We do see there's actually a risk of overshooting what is currently a deficit and ending up with a surplus situation. It's not necessarily a bad problem to have because then we could actually be talking about the UAE becoming a net exporter of food in the coming years for the first time ever. You've been listening to Beyond the Headlines. I've been your host, James Haynes-Young. Thanks this week to my guests, Maximo Torre-Cullen, Nicole Rogers and Kyle Wagner. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. This week's episode was produced by Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan.